0: This is ESPN Crick Info.
1: Bowl at Boyx. It's February 2015 and the World Cup is approaching fast. Just about 10 odd days to go for the first match. Hello, this is Bowl at on ESPN Crick Info and joining us from Abu Dhabi is Mr. Jeffrey Boycott. How are you, sir?
0: I'm very good and the weather is excellent and I've just been watching Rory McElroy win the Desert Classic. Uh-huh. had a wonderful couple of days.
1: Not bad. Let's get the show going and we have about four questions for today. We'll talk about the World Cup, we'll talk about some batting, something about the ICC or BCCI and the first question was sent by Adam from Australia who says, Geoffrey, I'm wondering what your view on sledging is. Do you think players who sledge or attempt to abuse opposition players are a disgrace to cricket? Was sledging around when you played and how bad was it? Do you feel that David Warner crosses the line between gamesmanship and abusing the opposition? And do you support Martin Crowe's yellow card and red card system?
0: Good question. Well, for me, verbal abuse, anyway, is just abuse. Uh, People don't like it, they don't want it, they don't accept it in normal society. So why do some sportsmen feel it's okay to do it to the opposition when playing sport? It causes a great deal of unpleasantness, aggro. Individuals sometimes come near to fighting. One day there will be a fight on the field. There's no doubt about that. And there's nothing nice about it. And If it gets to the point where there's a fight between two people, well, that'll be a terrible advert for the game of cricket. Sledging whatever for me, sorry, is unacceptable. David Warner is a very talented cricketer, but he crosses the line. It's sad and it's disappointing to me, anyhow, that his captain and his bosses on the Australian cricket board don't feel that abuse is unnecessary and unpleasant and that gives our game such a poor image that they stop it they could stop it immediately the bosses all they have to do is tell the captain whoever's captain of whatever team all the players we're not accepting it we don't want it that's it and if you cross the line you start doing it we won't pick you that will stamp it out tomorrow and it's only recently when Michael Clark the captain of Australia did it to Jimmy Anderson in a test match uh, last Australian summer with the comment as he walked from slip to Jimmy Anderson, we'll break your effing arm. Now, everybody heard that through the stump mics. These days, you can't do anything with the quality of television and stump mics everywhere. And no action was taken on Michael Clark. Some Australians uh, in the public, they thought it was great. He looked clever. He looked strong. I don't think so. I don't think he looked clever and strong. I think it was a bad image for cricket. Uh, No action was taken by the umpires. The CEO of Australia didn't do anything. The ICC didn't do anything. And so Australian cricketers must have felt, oh, it's okay to do it then. And you mentioned David Warner specifically. I didn't. You brought that up. But there are other players around the world. He's not the only one. We shouldn't just focus on him. There are other players around the world Even one of mine in my country, Jimmy Anderson, he's no angel. He's known to have been doing it for a long time and getting away with it. And our English cricket board, by ignoring it, condone it. And all the cricket boards, they all stick their heads in the sand and pretend it's up to the umpires. That's a cop-out, it's passing the book. Quite frankly, all the countries are in control of their own cricketers and they could stop it for their cricketers tomorrow say it's immoral it's unnecessary we're not having it and martin crowe is right he's always had some wonderful ideas as martin i was on the mcc world cricket committee with him i know him personally and i like how his mind works he tries to solve problems by some common sense and practicality by some forward thinking And sadly, the ICC could learn a lot from him. They get bogged down with committee after committee, and they finish up at times being a talking shop rather than being proactive and doing things. And well done to Martin. At least his idea would give the umpires a way of stepping in and dealing with verbal abuse. At the moment, they have no sanctions. All they can do is report them to the match referee they can report a player to the match referee after the day's play but this way if they had some cards they had some way of doing something they could knock it on the head immediately but you asked me did it happen when I played no it did not I can't remember one instance in 25 years of playing cricket for Yorkshire and the best part of 20 years for England where it happened once to me it never happened It's something that's grown and grown till now. Even the youngest player coming into a team, playing his first or second Test match, feels he should join in and abuse the opposition because it's the norm. It's expected of him. And it's accepted by the governing bodies. The governing bodies should be ashamed of themselves for letting their players do it. And I'm sorry, somebody says to me, well, look, if these players who do sledge, stop sledging, stop verbally abusing people, it might affect their performances, I would say good. Then you're not that good a player if you need to abuse the opposition just to get your own blood running and your own commitment strong and to play well. Because throughout history, there have been a zillions of players for years never did anything like that. It's a modern-day curse that's happened.
1: Well, if it didn't happen earlier, let's hope nothing like this comes up during the World Cup or even after that. It'll come up. (laughs) Two questions were sent by Idris from where you are right now, the UAE. Let's take the first question. Uh, It says, in the tri-series in Australia, India opted to bat Virat Kohli at number 4 to what they say is protect him and strengthen the middle order. Shouldn't your best batsman in the team bat at number 3? Have the rules changed that age-old successful strategy? Where do you think he should bat, Jeffrey?
0: I think he should bat which he feels is his best position for playing well. Forget about everybody else around him. If you are the best batsman, you should not need anyone to protect you. You know, whoever he is, he should be up front, playing well, in his favoured position, making it easier for the other batsmen who aren't quite as good as him. That's the whole point. It's negative thinking. If Virat goes in and bats well, he will give the others following him more confidence. If he gets out, well, they have to step up to the plate. That, that's, that's cricket. Wherever Virat bats won't make a lot of difference in the World Cup if the pitches are fast and bouncy, or have movement. Because we all know that the Indian batsmen are good on flat, easy pace pitches or average bowling. Soon as they get top-class bowling on pitches with a bit of pace, a bit of movement, and certainly with a bit of bounce, then all their faults appear. You thought they were good, you thought they were technically correct on Indian pitches where the ball doesn't bounce much, it gets stumped by, they can play forward to everything. That's fine. But once there's pace and bounce and better bowling, then it exposes faults. And unfortunately, India, we all know, have played for donkey's years on flat nothingness pitches where it turns. But as soon as it bounces and moves around, they struggle. They were lucky in the test matches in Australia. They were favoured with very good batting pitches. They didn't get the normal Australian pitches that bounced and moved around. And so they look quite good. I can't see that happening in the World Cup. But they'll get some matches where there's two minnows in either group. So they'll get some matches where they can they can show off their talents and bat well. But, you know, the nature of the pitches in the test matches in Australia drew the sting out of the Australian seam bowlers. I don't think that's going to happen against the best teams. You're going to get one or two pitches that are going to expose them.
1: Geoffrey, you're saying that Virat Kohli himself should decide, but if in general yes, you're asked... he
0: should decide. So listen, I'm the best player in this team. I want the bat three. That's it.
1: Let's take Idris's second question, who says, You must be familiar with the recent news that Mr. Srinivasan, the chairman of ICC, is not eligible for the BCCI elections right now. Under such an instance, should he be allowed to continue to run as the ICC chairman? This is a real black spot on the administration of the game, which is run on money but now also on a very high degree of corruption what would you have done if you had any power to control such corruption issues
0: well first of all let's be clear the Indian court isn't saying that Mr. Srinivasan has done anything wrong as far as I know from what we know of the, what the court has said he's clear He's as clear, you know, he's done nothing wrong, nothing whatsoever. What they're saying is there's a conflict of business interest with him owning the Chennai Super Kings and being an administrator of the BCCI, which runs all the IPL, and Chennai Super Kings is one of it. There is a conflict of interest. I can see that, and anybody with any sense can. But you want to be clear that he hasn't done anything wrong. Don't get him involved in match-fixing when he hasn't done anything. If you have some evidence of different, that's, that's a different matter. Now then, the ICC is a separate body from the BCCI. So if he's not done anything wrong, then the BCCI could delegate him as the Indian nomination to be the boss of the ICC. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't have to be one of the people on the BCCI. They could nominate him. He's their delegate. He goes there as their representative, and the ICC votes him in as the boss. England may do the same. We've had a chairman of uh, our England cricket board, Giles Clark, for some time. Now, after a while, he might get tired of it, and our English cricket board may ask him to be their delegate to the ICC so that a new chairman can concentrate on english cricket there's nothing wrong with that nobody's done anything wrong and asking me to give you an idea how to get rid of corruption oh, that's a problem we've all told you we've all said the first thing to do is to legalize betting on cricket in india legalize it that's the first thing and from there you move on but they're always I think personally, this is only a personal view, I think the IPL, as much as it is a wonderful event and makes lots of money for people, gives fantastic entertainment to millions of people, etc., all that good stuff, whenever you have a situation where a few top Indian players, a few international players, get huge, huge amounts of money. And some ordinary Indian cricketers get very small amounts of money. It's a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for corruption. You know, it's going to happen again and again. Because some of those ordinary Indian players are on peanuts, while some are on $2 million. That's. <laughs> I look. It's not necessarily right. Corruption is never right, but it, it is it is going to happen again.
1: All right, a pretty simplified answer for the technicalities between BCCI and ICC. That brings us to the last question of this episode. It's sent from New Zealand and it's about New Zealand, sent by Christian Bailey who says New Zealand have started to become a really strong team now and they will also have the home advantage for the World Cup. A lot of people are calling them one of the favourites even though they have some issues to solve. For example, Brendan McCullum's form has not transformed from the tests to ODIs of late, they've been playing too much recently, so might feel burnt out going into the World Cup. How strong do you think they are compared to South Africa and Australia? And what are their chances according to you?
0: Well, I put Australia and South Africa as the number one and number two favourites slightly. I don't think there's any overall favourites in this World Cup. But if I had to pick I'd put Australia South Africa in that order. But I put New Zealand third in my list. After, after Australia and South Africa, you've got to remember that New Zealand have home advantage, and that helps. They're used to their own pitches. They will have home crowds supporting them. Even the travel and the hotels they are used to because, you know, they play at home. They'll stay in the same hotels and where they've stayed before playing for New Zealand against other countries. Occasionally, they will be able to go home and see families because they're in their own countries, and that helps. It's all conducive to good, relaxed, comfortable, and at-ease feeling for their players. And whatever job you do or you have, I bet you work better if you go to work in a great frame of mind. And I think this will help New Zealand. Secondly, the team has been playing well, and it's been winning. Winning any time breeds confidence you tend to have more positive thoughts and very few negative ones when you're winning. Winning helps a togetherness in, in a group of players. It makes the party of players a closer unit. It helps it work well. And on top of that, you mentioned Brendan McCullum. I think he's an excellent leader. I think he's a dynamic batsman. His form is temporary. He's he just not made many in the one days, but he's been in the runs. He's been in fantastic form. He's made mountains of runs in the last few months. So I don't think there's any problem with his place in the team and he seems to take into captaincy or leadership of his players quite easily. He doesn't get flustered, he doesn't shout and rave. He just has a way of keeping the group together and making them play good cricket. There are lots of good signs for New Zealand. If I my one slight question mark with them is this. They lack a couple of great players. Like Richard Hadley at his pump, Martin Crowe at his pump. And if you look at New Zealand, they've got Dale Stane. They've got two marvellous batsmen, and A.B. De Villiers and Amler. And, you know, Australia, if Mitchell Johnson bowls expressively quick, he can knock over two or three and then it puts the bat inside the opposition on the back foot and so forth. And I think you need or would it be helpful if you have just a couple of players who who are really a bit special. They don't seem to have that. They seem to have a very good unit of players. But you've got to remember that the top eight countries should get to the quarterfinal. There shouldn't be any problem. They're, they all have two minnows in their group. If you lose to the minnows, then you have a problem. But if really, if you don't, the top eight will get through. And then every team will be thinking, listen, we only need two good days. We only need to play well twice in the quarters and the semis two good matches and you're in the final that's all it is because the warm-up the six warm-up matches they're just warm-up matches for television for the icc to make money and then if you're in the final whoever it is anybody who's a gambler who goes to racing will tell you when it's a two-horse race anything can happen so that's why although we put australia South africa new zealand it's not so the clear-cut. There's no really outstanding teams. There's just Australia, South Africa, New Zealand, that order. I'd say slight favourites, slight, slight. But favourite is a bad word. I put them slightly above the others. But uh, we could be in for shock. Sri Lanka, West Indies, any of them. Pakistan, We know what Pakistan's like. They can play lousy or they can play brilliantly. Nobody knows how they're going to play. India, India looking in trouble where their bowling looks poor, their batting their misfires. But if they come good for two matches, you're in the final. So be aware. It's very open.
1: Alright, that's that for the World Cup and that's that for this episode as well. We'll be back in two weeks from now. By then, a few matches would have happened in the World Cup. From some warm-up matches, couple of league matches. So enjoy all of them and send in your questions for the World Cup. Yep, this is the time for them. There is a feedback form on the website. Send in your questions, your feedback for Mr. Jeffrey Boycott. And two weeks, we'll be back again. Until then, enjoy the World Cup.
0: You are listening to ESPN Crick Info.